and welcome to She's the Boss Chats. I'm your host, Jules Brooke, and in the show, I interview amazing women and female founders about what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. It's all about us lifting up the women around us. Vicky Sterling, I am so, so excited to be interviewing you for She's the Boss Chats. Thank you so much for agreeing to do it. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Jules. It's lovely to be here. <laughs> oh, no, it's great. God, since the moment I've met you, we've just hit it off. So I'm delighted to be able to share you and your story now. So let's start off with telling everybody what it is you do right now. Okay, what I do right now is I support founders to help them take their idea into a reality Ooh. as the CEO of Startup Victoria. Um, what we, how we like to think of ourselves is that we support found individuals yeah. to be the legendary founders of tomorrow. <laughs> so love we that. love, we love this idea of creating legendary founders, you know, people that are just unique and individual and come from different backgrounds. Um, they're not the cookie cutter founder. They're something, um, something different. And yeah, we've seemed to attract different maybe that's something about it is and i think that that's great i've done the same thing with she's the boss i've i used the strap line of um female founders and women doing extraordinary things in business and then i had all these women that came to me going oh my god i love it that you say we're extraordinary okay so how long have you been doing this for um i've been the ceo of startup victoria for a year okay so, yeah, i still feel like some days <laughs> what the hell am i doing again um and you know amazing job oh thank you it's it's a really amazing environment it you know all we really want to do is make sure that founded journey becomes as smooth as possible for anybody and everybody at every stage and the wonderful thing about startup victoria is it has been in existence since um 2014 when it was just a small group of people in a um co-working space and since then it's evolved and evolved into this wonderful community and we have founders who are incredibly successful and you know, ready to exit their businesses or have sold their businesses. Um, they've been with Ooh, us a I long time. I have to get you to tell us a, a, a mm, couple a of success those. stories I as will. well. And then all the way through to, you know, people with just a really amazing idea and we can connect those people together. And that's what's really beautiful about the community is that generosity of the people who have made it and how they really want to support the people that are just coming up. And even though you're called Startup Victoria, you're not really just doing Victorian startups, are you? No, because of the, the beauty of what we do, um, you know, a lot of it is online. Um, the community is broad, far reaching. We have members in Northern Territories. We have the members in Western Australia. We have members in uh, in Queensland and New South Wales. And um, yeah, we're really excited about um, the opportunity for us to help founders all over Australia, not just in Victoria. I think that, but I actually think that's a testament to the, the organisation as well, that people in the Northern Territory and Western yeah. Australia are seeking someone and they find their home with you. I mean, oh, I think that says yeah. a lot about the culture that you've created here and obviously the word of mouth that's spreading out there mm. in the ecosystem. Yeah. So, okay, um, so now I'm going to have to ask you to take us right back because I ask this of everyone. This is my favourite part of this podcast and I'm sure it is for any of my regular listeners. But we can tell, well, I don't know whether you've spoken enough, but I think people will have gathered that maybe you didn't grow up in oh. Australia. So mm. let's start off with where did you grow up and what sort of family did you grow up mm. in? How many brothers and sisters and what did your mum and dad do? Okay, well, I grew up in a small village in West Yorkshire. <laughs> oh, um, wow. <laughs> you can't tell by my quite accent. Quite isolated, was it? <laughs> yeah, quite isolated. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we had... Um, it was, um, uh, you know, I, I had a sister who's, I have a sister yeah. who's very close in age. She's a year um, older than me. Oh, so wow, her right. and I grew up like twins. You know, we did everything together. We were so that. tight and um, it was beautiful having a sibling so close in age. Um, and then our beautiful um, brother came along when <laughs> I was seven um, and, um, you know, he, he and I are from oh my gosh we have exactly the same personality we laugh at the same silly jokes we you know he's just a beautiful human being he's unfortunately still in England my sister moved to Sydney so oh, it's she? wonderful to have her here oh, in Australia I how you yeah. guys have ended up here oh my gosh, but I'm yeah. very jealous because I always wanted a sister and having grown oh. up with three brothers and three sons <laughs> I completely missed out on that that must be why I love all this women yeah, stuff the women. Oh, and yeah. supporting the women yeah okay absolutely. so you grew up in this little town in mm. Yorkshire what did mum and dad do 
Um, Mum stayed at home, raised us, and Dad was a photographer. So he okay. was in a, a more of a creative field. Yeah. He um, he worked actually, did a lot of really detailed photography and ended up working oh. in um, manufacturing, taking photographs of manufacturing parts, parts of machinery. Oh, and, right. Yeah, really interesting um, And ran his own business then, ran presumably. Ran his own business, yeah. yeah. Which it, I, I always like to ask this question because it's mm. interesting to me where those role models come from yeah, for yeah. all of us in, in our path. Yeah. Okay, and... And so what were you like at school? Did you like school? Oh, gosh. I, <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> Do you really want to know? Um, well, actually, no, I wasn't a very good um I don't think very people. many of the women I've interviewed were. Everyone no. was a bit rebellious. I, yeah, very rebellious, yes. But also I think, um, you know, at the time it wasn't, you know, neurodivergent wasn't a thing. But I, you know, I, I definitely um didn't do well sitting, focusing, rote learning. Right. Um, you know, I knew from very early age that I was a creative thinker, that um, I did very well in subjects like, you know, dramas and the arts. Yes. And um, I loved English. Um, I loved creative things, um, creative pursuits. So, um, you know, I, I, I really just scrabbled through school on those creative um, releases, you know, and yes. I was able to I go, okay, I can do art and I can do writing and I can do drama and those things together will help me to get through and, and put up with the, the fact that we all had to do maths, which yeah. just was like the learning maths and Spanish the for me. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, but then, you know, it's really interesting for me because when I look back now and I, I think, gosh, you know, I love geology. I'm such, I'm such a nerd. I love geology. No, I love history. The, but, you know, that I wonder whether that's whether there is a little touch of ADHD in people like us who are very creative, mm. and I was the same because mm. I did physics in year yeah. 12, yeah. and I'm so bad with numbers and yeah. stuff. But sometimes you find something that you want to focus on and you yes, – And exactly. it's often attached, I also think, to the teacher. That's so right. So I had Jules, a great yes. teacher who loved physics and loved mm. teaching it, so mm. I love learning from yeah. him. Yeah. And I see with my boys the same yeah. sort of thing. You know, if they have a teacher, I've got oh. one who's super creative and, and ADHD coming out his ears, and yeah. he wants to do physics for year yeah. 12. Yeah, same so thing, great teacher. Great teachers. I agree. I think it's about, um, yeah, knowing that you've got a thing that you love to talk about that you love to do and that you're engaged in really is all we need as children is just to have something fun to be able to do every day. And yeah, that's yeah, what, I hundred yeah, percent agree. Yeah. So, um, when you finished school, did you go to year twelve? Is the first um, question. I, uh, well, I actually because in England um, school at the time in our in your village, so we have O levels um, and A levels. We went, yeah, we went um, to GCSE and then we had What's to go GCSE? to different. So Hang GCSE on. is um, uh, the like the old, the new version it's, of O level. So okay, O level so was the original. Yes, sort exactly. Of okay, yeah. yep. And we do GCSEs, and then we go to college. So it's like going to a senior school. Like so I went to American. college. Um, yeah, but college for us is like a tech college. So it's like okay. a um, um, gosh, like an RMIT or a yeah, but lower American. than that kind of um, okay. to do just eleven and twelve. Right, just okay. to do eleven yep. and twelve. Um, so we, well, I went to a college to do creative um, arts, and so through that. Um, 11 and 12 experience at college and doing creative arts, I then got a place at university. Oh, um, and so actually doing arty stuff, doing, yeah, creative stuff. I was a designer. I, I originally um, started out designing, which oh, is like graphic something, design. Yeah, something oh, not wow. many people know about me. No, um, I wouldn't have known that yeah, you could do that. There yeah. you go. Well. Um, yeah, so yeah, I, was, I really didn't realize that I had the. Um, the smarts for university. I, you know, I honestly thought that I would leave school, get a local job. And, you know, that was the expectation of my family. I'll be honest. You know, we didn't have, there was no expectation that I would do well, that I would be independent. My mother's idea of me being successful was finishing school, getting married to a good man. <laughs> you know? And, um, and so when I went off to college and then university, um, my family were like, well, what even are you going to do? Like, right. What, what does that even mean? Um, and nobody had done that in my family. And so, um, you know, for me, it was a great experience. I really grew. I realized that 
um, you know, doing, I actually did a Bachelor of Science um, in design, which is strange, wow. but okay. um, it was textile design. So okay. I was able to do a Bachelor yeah. of Science and, you know, being able to do the science side of textiles and really understand the technology of textiles. I realized that I had this real passion for more than just the, the, the creative, but also the technical. And I loved okay. the technical side of things. And, um, uh, you know, so I realized that I, maybe my future was more than just being able to be And as I always say to my boys um, who are very creative, like do something in business as well. Yeah. yeah. Because I never had anything in business and yeah. I wish I had done something like yeah. that yeah. for the struggles I've had. And you doing mm. the technical stuff yeah. basically says to me that you probably are good at the business side yeah. as well. Yeah. And that. so so what did you do? So you finished school, you went yeah. off to art school yeah, to went, do graphic design. Yeah, went to do. What did you do when you graduated? Um, I got a job straight away, which was amazing. And I how? As a designer. How did you get the job? Um, I just applied for um, <laughs> all the design jobs I could think of. Um, and I yeah, I finished university in the June and started my job first job in July. Like wow. I really, yeah, oh, well just done. went straight into it. And, um, and did you enjoy it? What was the first job like? Yeah, um, look, I, I think the first job was a really good foray into what it was to be a designer. And it quickly taught me that the ceiling is really low. Yeah, right. You know, you're a designer, you're a creative director, and that's it. And I could see already that I had ambitions beyond that. Um, you know, it was very, yeah. very yeah. early on that that was not going to be enough for me. So I started to explore what else a designer could do or might do beyond okay. that. Okay, and um, where did that lead to? That led me to um, Hilversum in the Netherlands where I got a job as a product manager at Nike. Oh, well, now, firstly, <laughs> we just have to say to um, any Aussie listeners that, yeah. it, I mean, and, and I did it when I worked in London, London as well. Everybody works overseas. It's like working in Sydney or Melbourne or whatever to work in the Netherlands yeah. or Italy or Germany. Yeah. But it's still amazing. So yeah. what was that like for a young girl from, yeah. you know, yeah, Yorkshire, Yorkshire in the middle yeah. of nowhere <laughs> saying that she was going to go and work in, in was yeah. it in Amsterdam? In Amsterdam. Yeah, I lived, well, I lived in. I love um, that city. Yeah, but. <laughs> yeah it's so great. Um, so you, it was it was really daunting at I first. Bet, I bet. Yeah, I yeah. mean, how, how did, where, what, did, what did you do about where to live? Oh, my gosh. They literally put you up in a hotel for the first five days and then you're left alone and right. so you i arrived i was like you know oh, i don't know where to go oh what about okay. the language as well oh it, yeah actually luckily in the netherlands they speak. everyone speaks english yeah, okay. so it was fine yeah, okay. um but um you know just being in this foreign place and this foreign town really not knowing even how to get to work the, on that next oh, that morning day. <laughs> really complex kind of um way of finding my way around but then you know I quickly I think after six months I, I realized wow this is you know this is home I, I just okay. loved it I loved the international community at Nike there was about 1,400 employees. And, and that's, we all, is that, that's just in the Amsterdam? In the European head office, in headquarters. Europe, Europe, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, um, you know, we were all, you know, such a melting pot. I, I believe at the time there was something like 50 different languages spoken, you know, Fantastic. just such a wonderful yeah. community. Um, and we just all gelled. I think that was what was wonderful about being in, um, you know, a, a person who came in from um, overseas into Nike, you gel with all the other people that have come from overseas into Nike. Right? Yeah, so and there's a you lot just, of them. Yeah, and there's a lot of them. So we all just created these amazing communities and really started to, um, yeah, started to build French, really deep friendships, friendships I still have today, which is really beautiful. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, yeah, and it was a, yeah, it was an amazing experience. I was there for eight years. And So know, I was going to say, so you started off as a designer, I'm assuming. No, actually oh, I didn't. Did I started off as a product manager. Okay. So the role of product manager in a physical product sense is you're responsible for identifying the gaps in the range that's available and then How cool. sourcing <laughs> that new product to fill the gaps in that range, right. um, identifying the right price points, identifying the, you know, the cost, you know, get, working with oh, the so factory kind of to get everything. costings. It was everything all that's encompassing. It's, right. You know, I always refer to it as you know, the, the center pin really. And, you know, everything comes out from you as a product manager. So, you know, you need packaging design, you go to the designer, you need um, to source a new product, you work with the supply chain, um, you need to find a new um, innovation. You 
you work with the research team. Like there's just it's just wonderful to be able to work with such a beautiful yeah. group of people. And um, yeah, and what you know, a great that testament to Nike. I have to say yeah. that sounds like a great company to work for. It's a great it's a great company to work for. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So why did you leave? Eight years later. Eight years. Yeah. So I I really you know I felt very much. Um, gosh, there's a lot of really talented people at Nike. Right. And, you know, you're a, a small fish in a big pond. Right. Uh, and I thought, you know, it'd be really nice to um, be able to use some of these skills that I've learned at Nike in another organization where it could be more impactful. Okay. Um, and so I thought about, um, actually at the time, my um, my partner and I, we had two young kids and we were like, maybe we've outgrown Amsterdam. Maybe this isn't the vibe for oh, us so anymore. Hang on a minute. Let me go back. So why? While you were in Amsterdam, you met a guy, married him, and had two children yes. during all of this as well. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Was he Dutch? No, French. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah. right. Okay. Yeah. So, sorry, and I interrupted you, so keep going. So, you've had eight years there. You've got two yeah. kids and the hubby. So, what did you decide to do? Well, we decided the um, we'll all we'll both apply for jobs in locations that we thought we might like to live in right. and whoever got a job first will be where we went. Okay. So, so what sort of, did you have a little short list, a list of countries? Yes. We wanted to be in um, either the East or West coast of the U S um, we wanted to be in Hong Kong or Singapore um, or Beijing, or we wanted to be in Australia. Wow, well, lucky us that you came here. I'm very glad to hear yeah, that. Yeah, well, I, I got lucky. I, You know, the first job I applied for, I got. Which was what? Which was working for what was then called Pacific Brands. Yeah. Um, in their um, marketing. So of, that's whole. That's um. Yeah, bonds it was like and Bonds and Holproof and, 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 and Rio and yeah, um, a big conglomerate of, yeah. um, of underwear businesses. And I ran their marketing um, and um, had a beautiful team of product managers and marketers. Um, um, yeah, we really um, did some great things in that space and it was a really fabulous um, And you, you seem to have bounced from one great company to another. I, well, and yeah. And that brought you to Melbourne? That brought me to Melbourne. I right. actually applied because um, I wanted to work for Bonds and I thought, oh, yes, Bonds is in Sydney. My sister's in Sydney. Had you heard of Bonds in, in the in- – Because my sister was already oh, in Sydney. Oh, okay, okay. Mm. But you hadn't – because it's not a brand that's known really no, very much No, it wasn't known globally then. Okay, no. so hang on a minute. So then we're, now we're going to have to go back and go, why did your <laughs> sister end up in Australia? Because uh, I assume that that also made it very attractive to you yes. to come here. But why, was, why. what did she do and why was she here? Um, well, she came out here um, because her, um, at the time, boyfriend uh, had a, an opportunity to come and work for what was becoming Star City, which was the oh, casino. Okay. Yeah, yeah, the casino. And he was a chef. Right. And so he came out here with a whole heap of other chefs and they all started working at Star City. Right. Um, and you know, my, my sister's in HR and so she quickly found work. And, um, and then yeah, were you getting stayed. these messages going, I just love it here. It's, yeah, I mean, Sydney is it, really amazing, yeah. particularly if you come from London. Yeah, yeah. She um, said, you've just got to come, just come. <laughs> um, and so I thought I was applying for a job in Sydney and I ended up in Melbourne <laughs> and I'd never even been to Melbourne before. It was never on my radar I had not even so visited had you been it. to Sydney had you been to Australia I'd, yeah, before I'd been though? to Sydney before on right. holiday to, to visit your sister yeah yeah. Okay. Um, I've been to Queensland for a you know, short period, <laughs> but never Melbourne. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to start a world war here. But all I'm going to say is, you chose the best city. Oh, I know. <laughs> this suits me so I can so imagine there will be well. people from Sydney with steam coming out yeah. their ears listening to this. But anyway, okay. So you came here. You started working with Pacific Brands, mm. which is in Richmond, I think, isn't it? Uh, is now. At the time, I was working in Coolaroo, and then I worked in Nunawading. And oh my God, now, where's Coolaroo? Coolaroo, yeah, even exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, I came from working in Amsterdam, and then I got oh. a job working at a factory in Coolaroo, which oh, was very interesting. Coolaroo is out past; um, it's kind of like out past uh, Airport West, like north. Oh my god! So really, side. middle of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. Oh, challenging. <laughs> yeah. Did you, did you start going, having regrets what immediately? What the hell have I done? <laughs> My first job for them really was to help transition them to overseas manufacturing. Right. Okay. So you can get your um, so, stuck into that one. Yeah. And actually it was really hard for um, the people working in the organization because they'd run the manufacturing from that site 
for oh, gosh. 40 years, longer probably. Um, right. So then, you know, for people to go through that massive transition and have to go through the pain of, you know, losing you know, all the redundancies and shifting everything overseas, you know, it was the right decision to make because it was the only way the business could stay afloat. But, um, you know, to didn't do that. It didn't make you terribly popular when you walked in the door, I bet. <laughs> No. no, which is hard but, when you're young. Yeah. And, and especially, I mean, because my, one of my first jobs was as a supervisor at the Herald Sun mm. in their call centre for ads and it had 70 women and most of them, I was 21, yeah, wow. most of them had been there for 30 years yes. and they literally had the attitude of who the hell do you think you are to come in and tell me uh, what what to do with my job and myself when I've been doing it longer than you've been alive. Yeah, it is right. really challenging. It's really challenging and it, and it is really challenging when what you know you have to do is make a big cultural shift, yeah. a big cultural change. And so to think about, uh, you know, the the needs of the people in the organisation but also the needs of the organisation to be able to yeah. uh, have a longevity, there needs to be a big culture shift. And so, um, you know, being able to galvanise the team around a really new and exciting vision and mission was what was really Important and really required, yeah. So, um, you know, to have a really clear streamline of work, understanding of the priorities, understanding of um, how they need, how we needed to transition this business into being an amazing business again, was what was required. And that was, you know, because I had the visionary of, um, you know, uh, being able to identify those opportunities and almost um, see where the business could go almost innately, you know, for me, it was so clear what we needed to do. But for the people, I guess, (laughs) because people in the organisation had no, they'd been working in this organisation for years and years and too close to that and weren't able to see the wood for the trees. And so, you know, I did that in um in in that division and then I was moved to another division to do the same thing Stop there. So. <laughs> That's what happens when you're good at something. Yes. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so so yeah. how long was that period then? Was that so how long were you there for? I was in Pacific Brands for five years. I ended up running the Bonds Apparel business, which was really wow. amazing. Introduced Bond Sport, which was something that I hadn't thought of doing before. Which and, now of course and is now it's like, all Bonds Apparel is thought of. Of course, of why sport. wouldn't they have yeah. done that? That was the yeah. most obvious thing for them to move yeah. into. Yeah. So wow. That was great. So, you know, being able to be part of those big transitions is what I love, the big right. changes and, you know, trying to identify and, and harness the opportunity and then galvanise the team around the opportunity is what I love to do and get them excited by the vision and what, what they're capable of. Oh, you're I mean, such almost a great like- boss. I can see that. <laughs> I can see that you'd, you'd get that across really well. Yeah. It's so you, you igniting have- passion is what I love to do. Igniting in, passion. Yeah. Oh my god! Yes. I'm going to have to put that in the description. I must remember. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you you've been at Pacific Brands for eight years, and you've moved five. from uh, five years. You've moved from outer whoop whoop, yes, close to the city. Yes. What what then? What was the next challenge? What what was the next job? Well, and why? you know, I, I realised that actually the environment that I was in was a very old environment. I knew that from the start, you know, it was a very, um, an old, old business. And, and even though I tried to, um, encourage a lot of more modern thinking, I, I was the first one to launch an EDM. Right. <laughs> for them, okay. that was like so revolutionary. <laughs> um, I realized that and actually. And for anyone listening, that's an, ele- that's basically sending an email, <laughs> yeah. email newsletter. <laughs> yes. There was no MailChimp back then. Right. Um, but, um, you know, being able to, I needed to, um, embrace what was happening in uh, in the broader industry, yes. which was about digital product, getting online, making sure that we've got you know, innovative product, fast product, really moving, um, this, shifting from this really old retail model into a much faster direct-to-customer model. Right. And, and we weren't doing that at Pacific Brands in any of the divisions no, really but well. No, but, but no consumer really, no consumer brands were. No, not, not in then. Those not days. then, no, no. And so I, I, I thought I need to get into the digital environment. And so luckily I... Um, was able to secure a position at um, Redbubble, which at the time was a startup. Um, How startup was it? Because when I first worked with them, which was 
as they launched Redbubble, there were about mm. eight of them in a room in Fitzroy. Again, Fitzroy. Is that what is that when you started with them no, around that we'd, time? We'd moved over and actually the engineering team had really expanded and they got this amazing engineering team. And so the organization at the time was about 50, 60 people. Oh, Lord. Okay. Um, which was, you know, huge. And most of those people were engineers. So right. we had this huge Let's team of engineers. Let's actually just explain what Redbubble is to anyone yes. who doesn't know. Do you want <laughs> yeah. to just quickly tell them? Um, Redbubble is an artist marketplace. Enables artists to put their designs on any physical product. So whether that was a laptop sleeve or a phone case or a piece of art or a T-shirt, Redbubble was able to use that technology. So if a customer um, wanted to put that art, if an artist wanted to put their artwork on a T-shirt to be able to sell that to a customer, we enabled that that to happen technology to happen. And then produced everything on demand. So when you look at Redbubble, it looks like they have millions of products sitting in a warehouse. But yes. in actual fact, all of that is rendered images of products, of, of people wearing right. products. Yep. And nothing exists until you press buy now. Right. And when you press buy now, and you we say I want it on a t shirt or yes. a poster or a, or yeah. a whatever. Yeah. And then they go off and make, so, which was incredibly innovative oh, at the time. I mean, it changed things for artists yeah. and allowed them to have a bit of income. I yeah, guess, absolutely. Absolutely. In. And it changed things for the customer too, because all of a sudden there was so much choice and you could start yes. to think about I these, use it a bit, actually, yeah, these niche opportunities. You know, I always refer to things like, oh, I want to have, um, I want to buy my best friend who has a pug a cushion for her couch with a pug with on it. With a pug on it, right? yeah, and, and I can do that. I, I can do that on Redbubble. Yeah. You can't yeah. really, you know, there was no way to find that. You would have to scour so many no. places to be able yeah, to find yeah, that. Um, and what Redbubble were really good at at the time was SEO. A right. thing on a thing. Right. I want to order um, a cushion. A, a cushion. With a pug on it, yeah. or a pug with on a cushion, oh, yeah, or, um, or put that pug on a cushion, on a cushion or and a, onto and a rug, and yes. onto a mug, yes. and onto a exactly. whatever else. Yeah. So when I started at Redbubble, really the only products they had were t-shirts and artwork, and that was about it. And canvases, they didn't even yeah. have the mugs. Yeah, exactly. Which so is the obvious yeah. one. Any, to me. <laughs> any, yeah, any canvas, any you know artwork in a frame on a poster on a canvas that was all available and then the t-shirts were available and so my role was to say okay what else what else have? is possible and you know where can we source these possibilities who can we go to to find them and so my job was to scour the world with our beautiful head of supply chain and we would look for re- um opportunities to be able to work with factories and suppliers to make this print on demand environment work on all sorts of different product types. Okay. So when I was there, it was all blokes. I don't think there was even one woman that I could think of in the room. Mm -hmm. What was it like by the time you got there? What was the culture like? Oh gosh. Uh, Yeah. Mostly guys. I built a team of women and I was told, (laughs) yeah, but I was told it wasn't diverse enough, which is (laughs) ironic. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And um, yeah, I, I, of all the people I worked with, there were, um, you know, obviously your classic HR manager was a female. And your marketing director, um, maybe. And no, oh, no, okay. no, no. Just the HR just manager. Just the HR manager. And a couple of people in customer service. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and right. So it was a really, really So how was that for you? Did you enjoy working there? I loved working there. Um, yes, most, you know, for majority of my time there, I really loved it because I was able to build my team, um, you know, do what I love doing, which is ignite passion in that yeah. team, um, get them excited about their opportunity and, the, uh, you know, and the build and the creation of these amazing ranges um, and then be able to um, see the success of that. It happened really quickly. Yes. And, and, you know, and see the change in how the marketplace looked and what products were available and just, you know, that was what I love, the speed of what we were able to do things, how we were able to do yeah, things. Yeah, of course, because Bubble. working in, I mean, and I'm not somebody who's worked in big organisations, but I knew, do know that the wheels grind very yes, slowly. Yes, very you slowly, know, yes. You go in and go, let's do this yeah. amazing change, and they go, okay, let's earmark that for two years yeah. from now. <laughs> um, so you were able yeah. to do that. So why did you leave? 
or where did you go next? Um, well, if you don't want to say, yeah, no, I am. Um, you know, I um, look. I think. Well, I, I well, I left because the Redbubble needed to shift their strategy. We needed to really speed up the ability for us to launch products quickly. Right. Um, you know, we often referred to the code inside that product build as being like spaghetti. It was very old code, and right. you know, so it was very slow actually for us to uh, relatively slow yeah. uh, for us to be able to launch a new product on the site, and we needed to be able to do that really quickly. Yeah. Um, and so I knew that um, that meant that for a while there would need to be no products launch. And so what would that mean? That would mean that there is- You're going to be sitting there twiddling your thumbs. Things. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so um, with that strategy that I made the recommendation to do yeah. um, was almost kind of yeah. Made yourself redundant. Made myself redundant. And so what came next? Is it this job? Um, no, then I um, was, you know, I, I really thought, well, I, I got these skills. Um, you know, how can I help other businesses to, you know, build on their product strategy, mm-hmm. um, help them ignite passion within their business and, and their teams. And so um, for me, um, I went out and just um, worked with small startups who wanted to grow, who had a product idea or okay. a product, but didn't really know how to expand and, and really build that range out. And so I worked with people on their strategy and, and product strategy became my thing. Um, right. So I worked in a few different, um, as a freelancer or a you know, contractor for um, three different organizations doing product strategy. And then um, I arrived here. Right. Mm. Wow. What a woman. You are amazing. <laughs> what incredible skills as well to have. So um, my, so once you've done all of that, one of the, now I don't know how you're going to feel about this, but I'm mm-hmm. going to ask the question anyway, and you can keep it anonymous, but as a business owner, and I'm sure the same as a CEO, things can happen along the way that seem like an absolute disaster or can mm. seem like a disaster. Mm force you into having to do something different, mm. because, which wasn't the plan. Yeah. And then you look back afterwards and go, oh, my God, that was the best thing that ever yeah. happened because otherwise I never would have made this change. Yeah. Have you got any stories like that oh, that gosh. you could show, or just a couple that you could share of something like that and how someone pivoted, for want to yeah. use a better yeah. word? Oh, absolutely. Oh, my gosh, it happens all the time because, yeah. you know, we're always – believe that we've got the right strategy and we believe that we're on the right path. Um, But what a good leader does is adjust that strategy according to the market, right? So you need to be able to say to the team, we thought that this was the thing. We thought that we were going in the right direction, but actually this other opportunity now feels like a better way to go. And we're going to go after that. And you as the leader, even if sometimes you don't truly believe it as a leader, you need to, You've got to go suck it up and well. go with it. Yeah. And because that's how you galvanize the team, that's how you get traction, that's yeah. how you ensure that we get make make it successful. So, yeah, there's a number of a number of ex- examples. I, I do remember one example actually in very early days in um uh, in my second role at Pacific Brands, uh, the group general manager saying to me at the time, Vicky, you can do anything you want with any of the brands here. Um, you know, they're basically all broken, right. except this one. <laughs> this one has been flat for the last, you know, three or four years. It's not going in decline. Don't touch it. So what did you do? <laughs> of course, what I did was go back to the team and say, okay, the only brand that's worth anything in this business is this one. Um, we're going to let's get together, put your heads together together. Think about if you had the reins, if this was your business, what would you do to this brand to make it a success? Oh, I love that. And come back and show me that plan. Because actually I was inspired by that because I read um, a letter from a customer that literally written in you know, old days and snail mail um, to say that she'd used this product and it had been amazing. And she was so grateful for the organization for creating this product Um and so we, um, I just said, look, you know, this is, these are our customers, these yeah. people here. Um, how can we help them more? And so, yeah, um, they went away, built a whole new range of products, um, incredible products. I then took that entire board, board and strategy down <laughs> and said, I know you said not to touch this, but. God, how did they react with, as when you said that first sentence before you showed them what you've done? <laughs> Actually, um, yeah, actually, okay. I think at the t- then it was like, we're just desperate for anything right. to make okay. this. Okay. And, you know, we took that business from 
Um, we well, so we took it from flat to thirty percent growth in the first year. Wow! So you know that That's was huge. a really big shift, and for an industry where yeah. they were seeing three percent growth, yeah. just ten times what they normally see. So you know that that. Uh, that bravery, that like willingness to take a risk, to do something that's unconventional and a bit left field and people, uh, you know, a bit nervous, a bit about, nervous it. about it. Those are the challenges I love. Yeah. yeah. You know, and give that, me the totally challenge that you're nervous about. And, yeah. But of course it is risky. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, you do need the board behind. And it's, I guess that in that instance, I always think of boards as in a lot of ways as being the rule keepers as opposed mm. to the rule breakers. Mm. But mm. I guess that's why you need a board because yeah. they will actually, you have a whole lot of people who are evaluating mm. how clever this idea is that you think is brilliant <laughs> um, to say, yeah, okay, it's worth, you know, it's a calculated risk, but it's a risk that we should yeah. take. Yeah, I think that. And I think that there's, um, you know, it, it, there's so much power in just knowing that you've got their support. Like yes. it's a really wonderful thing to know that you've got yeah, their support true. and um and then that just you know gives you more confidence and enables you to do even more things it's um, fantastic yeah, it's really great all right now because this is the uh, podcast all about women and yes. i know that this is something that's very close to both of our hearts yes one of the things that i have created this podcast for is to make women more visible mm. and i always like to ask people have there been any women along the way that are like unsung heroes in your <laughs> life that you would like to maybe Give, put their name out there and yeah. let everybody know these sort of, you know, great women and how they've helped you. Have there been any women like that? Um, you know, that's really interesting, Jules, because um, I have to say um, it's a pretty lonely world being a leader in um, a, an environment that's mostly male-dominated. Yeah. Um, and as a female leader, I was always surrounded by men and the women that, that were my peers were also, you know, had the traits and the and the and the approach and the attitude of the men, and so I was surrounded by lots of masculine energy and competition and, and competition, and it didn't ever sit right for me to be like that. I never felt comfortable being like that. I never felt that that was how I wanted to lead, and so um, I, I, unfortunately, there aren't any. Women no specifically out. that really stand out to say, yeah, you helped me become who I am today because of your leadership, because of who you are. And the and breaks the, you gave the, me or, yeah, the, and the, or opportunities the support you gave, you gave me, me. Wasn't, there. wasn't there. And, and I've, Which is interesting considering you were in fashion. Yes. That's all I can think of well, because I know that, that, you know, business in general we know and at senior leadership is male-dominated, but it kind of breaks my heart. Yeah that I hear when I, and, and you you are one of many, many, many. In fact, there was one woman who said, I can't even think of any woman ever mm. that's helped me, mm. Um, mm. who has these stories yeah. of, of, and I just hope that this culture shift oh, it's that is happening it's now. Happening. And the younger women that I interview yeah. will be able to reel off five or six women that have helped mm. them. Mm. But it's yeah. funny at our age, and I know you're not the same age as me, but at that, you know, 40 plus, let's say, yeah. Um, we don't have those stories to tell. No, I had an incredible first boss. Mm. She was amazing. Wow. She was like a mother hen and we were a sales team in a newspaper and she'd gather us all together and look after us and nurture us, but she was so different to anyone else in wow. the organisation or anyone else that I've ever met in media, really. Wow, you're really lucky because that's I know. so rare. And I, I think that, that that's what really helps, motivates me to help other women grow because yeah. I want to I want to be on that list of of theirs. That's you know, right. when they say who influenced you, I you know, it would be an honor to be on someone's list. I would have it would thought be an absolute so. honor. So. So. And I wonder, I mean I hear this a lot in the sort of corporate financial businesses and think, you know, those one and engineering and technology that we still know are so male dominated mm. that there aren't many. But I do feel like everything's shifting now and, mm. and that hopefully I mean, my my idealistic kind of ridiculous thing is I hate that idea of competing. I actually am really non-competitive. Yeah. Like I literally, you know, in a, in a running race would sit down and go, you know what, you just win. I don't <laughs> care about it. If someone wants to fight against me, I go, have it. Yeah. It's yours, which is yeah. not, you know, no. the attitude that's in, in, 
in big business. Absolutely. And actually, you know, that that's really true of what we try to do here at Startup Vic is we want to bring all areas of the community together. We want all of the ecosystems to support each other. We don't want to be the only one. We don't want to be competing with anybody else. We want to actually just give the best experience for founders, yes. right? Yes. And, and that should be all of our jobs is just to give the best experience for our customer. Let's not compete. There's plenty out there for all of us. That's there right. There's enough business. There's enough money for everyone. Let's just find a real niche that we're really good at, a thing that we really care about. Yes. And let's do that really, really well. I agree. Because you will win if you do it that way. That's and right. That's all we have to do is all go after the thing we love, that we're passionate about, and and just just do everything in your power to be the best you can be at that thing. And then you'll win. I think so. Yeah. I think so. And I also think that um, if you are an entrepreneur, which I've been for so many years, and you start something different. So when I started Handle Your Own PR, for instance, yeah. back in 2008, <laughs> nobody even knew what PR was. Wow. And then slowly but surely other women, and it was nearly always women, mm -hmm. started DIY PR businesses around me. And I would always reach out to them and go, fantastic, yes. like, how can I help you? Yeah. Not because I thought that we would compete because I, I've never really believed in that, but also because, and I, and I used to say it to people when I have conversations around competition and I'd go, you know what, if somebody is copying you, it's validating your idea. Absolutely. It's putting more businesses into that sector. And for yeah. Handle Your Own PR, there was nobody there. So the more people doing DIY PR, yeah. the more customers will start to go, oh, that's a thing I didn't yeah. know about. Yes. You oh, know? my God, you're so right. And it just grows the whole sector. Yeah. Yeah. And you should just give yourself a big pat on the Absolutely. back and go, Wow, they're copying yeah. me means yes. that I'm doing something right. It's a huge compliment <laughs> it is, yeah. to be copied. It's it a is. huge compliment. And I'm not what saying makes... where there are. I know that there are women out there who have their businesses completely copied. I'm not saying no. that I advocate for people who take your logo and your images no, and gosh. do that. But at, at, in, in a general broad yeah. brush sense, it's a great yeah. thing. Yeah, and and the, what that shows then is you need to be able to pivot quickly enough mm -hmm. to be able to say, okay. Thank you for the compliment of creating a product similar to mine. Now I'm already on the train to launch the next product That's in right. my portfolio. That's right. right. So you can follow me again the next time if you like. That's but right. Know that I'll always be one or two steps ahead of you. Yes. And in, in case if it's your service driven business, I would always say, look at what it is that you've got that nobody else is doing. Yeah. Because even though I had people doing DIY PR and one woman who I, I loved, I got off this call from these journalists who said, somebody, a woman in Queensland has set up hack your own PR, you know, it's the, she's copied your acronym. And I, I contacted her and I went, oh my God, be careful because you'll be yeah. sending business to me. Mm. And I'm sure that's not your intention. Yeah. And we just got on so well. And we did this whole podcast episode so about beautiful. how you should actually do some research about yeah. your acronyms before you go out there. But I do think that, um, you know, I, I, I absolutely yeah. think it validates it, but it, you also need to think. So for me, my point of difference, if nothing else, is that I was the first to market. Mm -hmm. But the yeah. second thing was that I had built a PR SaaS platform yes. and nobody else is offering the media contacts. So there's always yeah. something. And with She's the always Boss, something. you know, yeah. there are loads of women's groups out mm -hmm. there. I absolutely embrace all of yeah. them. I wish we could all come together. Yeah. But our point of difference and the gap I saw is women over 40 yeah. and 50 not having any support, not being visible. So absolutely. there's always there's a way. There's always a and, space for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I absolutely agree. Yeah. Okay, enough of me waffling. This is not about <laughs> me. It's about you. Um, okay, so the next question for you is... Talk to me about work-life balance mm. because so many women, like it's blown me away, so many women um, have burnt out. Yeah. I mean, if I even spoke to a woman, I think it was yesterday, and I said, you know, and you're too young, you wouldn't have burnt out yet, but be careful, what are you doing? To and she said, I spent a year in bed yes. because of this. So yeah. it's happening everywhere. So what are you doing oh, gosh. when you love your job so much yeah. to try and get a little bit of balance? <laughs> um, well, um, gosh. I, I I think I I find it really important to spend time in nature, mm -hmm. and you know for me that's my happy place. Yeah, that's the place I go and I can just breathe. You know, I yeah. feel like I, I I all the all the weight lifts from my shoulders when I can see the sky and the trees. And so, how um, do you build that into your life then? So how, how, when how often do you get out into nature? Uh, I, I would say at least once every other week I take the car oh, well somewhere really good and you know I have dogs 
So, you know, it's really, Perfect. it's an excuse yeah, yeah. <laughs> to get out into nature. Um, but and you've got I, kids as well, though. So how, uh, yeah, how are I your do. weekends? I mean, are you working through weekends um, or are you taking yeah, those? Yeah, no, I, I tend to. Look, I, I think I've always been really good at balancing that opportunity to spend time with my children in, in the early evening and then continue to um, do the work later right. in the evening, yep. right? So yep. I always say from like 8 till 10.30 is my back to work time, but between, you know, usually 5 and 8, and 8 is yep. like is my time with my yeah, family. Right. You know, right. I want to cook a dinner or want to have a conversation. My son got a dartboard for Christmas and so we played <laughs> darts in the backyard. Fantastic. You know, Fantastic. so English of me. It is. Um, <laughs> I presume you have a pint at hand oh, at any stage. a pint, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, you know, it's I, I just try to make time for them and carve out time in my day for them. Um, and, you know, my weekends, I um, have shared care with my children. So my weekends are spent um, when I have a spare weekend on my own without my children. That's my opportunity to get out into the country. Yeah, okay, right. So right. Um, that's the beauty of divorce. <laughs> That, that Are we allowed so to talk about the beauty of other things? Oh my gosh, that's a whole other podcast. That's a whole podcast. other podcast. <laughs> we should do that actually. We should we definitely should do, do a podcast one of called those. The Beauty of Divorce. <laughs> We'd end up with lots and lots of customers. Okay, and my last, second, well, second last question actually, and I haven't told you about the other one I was going to ask, <laughs> but this one is, is there a quirky fact about you? I love the answers mm, I get for this, yeah. that most people don't know that you'd be up for sharing. <laughs> a quirky, yeah, quirky. Um, quirky. Um, I gosh, uh, quirky facts. Well, I speak Dutch. Explain yeah, well. to Netherlands. Oh, oh. <laughs> um, I'm not surprised after no, eight surprised years working there. Um, so that's a little fact. I um, I have my name on a patent at Stop Nike. It. Stop it. Pretty. You know. What's that for? How does that work? And 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 you know, will you get rich from it? No, how God, does no. it all work? I just I I was the brainchild behind an idea, if you like, and right. so because of that, that goes because it was my my thinking and my idea and my concept. Um, that meant that I got my. Oh God, I love Nike that they did that. Actually, yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, and then I also was the first person to ever identify the need for a um, a product phone yeah. to be carried on your arm. Is that you? Yeah, that was me. So oh at, at Nike, I did a um, women's focus group um, and I was, my, my challenge was identifying running accessories for women. Okay. And it was at a time when, you know, back in the olden days, there was <laughs> a... <laughs> We, you know, mobile phones were starting to like the whole Nokia was like the phone we had, right. and women were saying, "Look, safety is my biggest deal. When I run, I worry about my safety." Oh. Um, and the only thing they could carry these phones in at the time were these big the bum waist bags. bum packs, you know, these, these packs that they would carry <laughs> or around fanny their waist. Packs, as they yeah. call them in America. And um, that was the only option. And so I started thinking about, well, how else could we carry these? These phones, yeah. these devices, you know, your key, your phone, small things. Yeah. How else could you carry them? And it just came to me, you know, we could have a neoprene device that you can put your phone in and wrap it around your arm and then it secures your running. Oh, you are so and, clever. Um, yeah. And, so and is that the one that you've got it. the patient on? No, that was a different product. Oh. <laughs> Sounds like you should have had your head. I, know, I actually think they and should now, have patented and, that because and, that was. And um, being incredibly unsporty, I just only have recently got into leggings, and they've got te- they've got pockets in them also as well. Also, phone pockets I and everything these days. It. <laughs> Back then, not so. Now we should end, and yes. I um and I would normally end, but I've just remembered that you yeah. were talking about um a couple of the success stories that have come out of startup mm. Australia, startup Vic. <laughs> And I would really, really love you to share, if possible, just a couple of them. Mm, yeah, okay. Maybe that you since you've been here, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, well, yeah. So look, um, I, I think what we do really, really well is connect people. As I said at the very beginning. Oh God, that's um, close to my heart. Yeah, <laughs> and I, you know, really love that we've been able to do that on so many levels. There are stories of people investing in other people's businesses that are members of Startup oh, Victoria, right. which is just so beautiful. Yeah. Um, I, but I think the, you know, the one one um, 
person that really stands out is probably um, Eric Peck from Swoop Aero. He's such an from amazing... What's his company is Swoop Aero. Swoop Aero. Yeah, Swoop Aero are a drone service oh. that deliver urgent medical devices, medical supplies, blood, etc., organs. Is that, still, is to, that actually happening, this drone delivery yeah, thing? Even, oh, yeah, wow. in, in, you know, in, in so difficult clever. to get to environments. So in right. different parts of Africa, um, obviously far north Queensland, Northern Territories, all places where it's really oh, difficult to get oh, access. So sort of and like a flying doctor service without the flying doctor. Exactly. <laughs> so, the, you know, the, wow. the cost savings of that, obviously for government, is huge if you're using yeah, drones. Um, and so he's been able to build this incredible organisation. And, you know, I just, I love how engaged he is in the community. He's such a... A wonderful giver. human and he's such a giver of his time. He's building this incredible organization. He's now got 90 people working for Good him. Lord. But okay. he's, you know, he he came and did a, a very early on. He, in 2020, he was the pitch night winner at one of our impact pitch nights. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and from that he was invested in by Giant Leap, who are the um, sponsor of that pitch night. Right. And from that he's been able to get more investment and grow. Um, and, um, you know, now he is just is such a, a wonderful um, organization doing great things for people around the planet. And, um, yeah, I just think that's a great story to be able it to come and do a pitch story. night at Startup Vic and then get into the community and learn more and more about how it is to be a founder, connect to more and more people as a founder, and then, you know, and now see him as a, an incredible man who's, you know, employing 90 people. Oh, that's brilliant. Mm. Okay, there you go. For anyone who's listening, yeah. just to show that, you know, it can happen. We're yeah. all on our path yes. and it's going to happen. Yeah, um, absolutely. Vicky, I don't even know how to tell you how great oh. you are, but you Aww. are, and I would love it if you would let people know how they could um, get in contact with Startup Vic yes. and or you. Yes, Without oh, giving absolutely. away email addresses. <laughs> um, yeah, well, you can find me on LinkedIn. Okay. Vicky Sterling. Yeah. That's how I found you. Oh, no, actually, I've got a name, someone. That was Jasmine Batra that introduced the two of us from Arrow Digital. Yes, yeah. So I don't want to take away from her. Yeah. And you can become a member of Startup Vic for as little as $100 a year. And just come to www.startupvictoria.com.au. And, yeah, join the community. We're a beautiful community. We like to catch up with each other online over lunch or um, have social drinks or do a founder connect which is a really great way to meet other founders just like you um, we're doing those every month as well and of course our pitch nights are, are amazing pitch and how nights. often are they because that's something and and actually I don't know whether I can say this so I'll say it and you can tell me whether you don't want me to <laughs> go any further with it but one of the things that you had said to me which which really has stuck in my mind is that you said you try to have a balance of male and females in mm. your pitch nights mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that you often get about 80 applications yeah. and of those five will be women and yeah. 75 of them are blokes so I want to say to all the women out there go start going to the pitch nights because I don't go to them either yeah, yeah. and we need to go to more of them because yeah. otherwise you know we can't sit there going we're not getting the funding absolutely and then not be out there yeah. asking for it yeah absolutely apply put your applications in we do one month um well you know, there's nine a year, so right. they're spread okay, out throughout much, the year. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, different theme every month. So this month it's health and wellbeing pitch night. That pitch night's on the 28th of February. Get your applications in. If you have any product or service that is in health or the well-being sector, yep. we will look at all of the applications. We've already got, I think, 20 applications. Um, so just keep sending them in. And this and is then an what environment. Other, what, can you do, because I don't know whether this will be out in time for that. Will there be any, um, what, what sort yes. of themes do you have? So then just so um, we also have a um, social enterprise, not-for-profit and charitable organisations okay. pitch night. So that's a really great one to get your applications in for. Um, we also have a um, a a e-commerce consumer goods direct customer oh, yeah, pitch quite, night, which will be a really, it's very close <laughs> to my heart. 
which will be a fabulous one, I'm hoping. Of course. Um, we also have a, in, in March, obviously, we have the uh, women's pitch night. So oh, okay, for, you do one. Yeah, for, one for great, women. Great, great, great. So only women um, apply, please, or obviously non-binary also. Yes. Um, and then we also have, um, yeah, many other themes throughout the year. Um, but if you want to check out our calendar, you so can find website. it online. Yeah. And did you give everyone the website address? I don't know. Victoria.com.au. Thank you. Well, thanks so much, Vicky. You're Thank amazing. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of She's the Boss Chats. For more information and to find out about our other initiatives, including our weekly lunch for female founders and our TV show, go to she'stheboss.com.au. <laughs>